Hello and welcome to another episode of the His and Her Boxing Podcast. My name is Lee Costello and I'm joined as always by Neve Campbell. Hello everyone. Uh, today we're sort of going back to the OG His and Her Boxing Podcast where it's just me and Neve discussing stuff. Uh, originally that was the plan, you know, we'd be watching fights at the weekend and we'd have the odd interview here and there, but quarantine dictates uh, even this podcast. So we've just been having interviews with, with various boxers and we'll continue to do that. Some of them have done really well. Um, Who's, you, who's your favourite interview so far? Oh my god, no, I don't I don't put me in the spot like that. I don't know. Um, Troy McKenna was really funny. Was. I suppose Kevin yeah. McGurko was our first one, so I think that's a good one because you're, you always remember your first. Oh my god, you're that Kevin. Amy was good, Baby Canelo, because I too love Canelo just like her and first female we had on and we're going to get uh, obviously like a lot more boxers on not just boxers people within the boxing world like mm-hmm. we've got a good a good lineup um we had a really good chat with john o'carroll as well i mean he stayed on even after the podcast and we chatted for like another half hour just yeah all things life and boxing and whatever and he's really supportive um yeah but we well it'll, it won't just be boxers it'll be well amateur boxers pro boxers coaches nutritionists people yeah Oh, there's GA players with yeah. Patrick Hamsh, you can't forget him. He was a very good boxer in his younger years. So yeah, you can go back through, obviously, whatever you're listening to us on now. And we, we, we keep saying that, his younger years, like he's ancient. He's already, it's like, oh, he's, he's already like 26, yeah. he's in my year. That's the only reason I take offence to it. <laughs> I know, but it's one of those things too, boxing, it's kind of like, if you take up boxing at the age of 16, that's considered quite old, but he's been boxing since he was nine, I think. Yeah. So you say, but that is very much your younger years. It's weird to think that something that you do in your teens is so separate to them what you do in your 20s like it literally is a completely different decade and he spent the last decade dedicating his life to G- um, get a couple yeah and so, so it is different but yeah who was your favourite? got my favourite um, really really excited about it it all felt kind of full circle with John O'Carroll because our first podcast was reviewing the John O'Carroll and Scott Quigg fight mm-hmm. and then it was the last sort of big fight that was on uh, Sky Sports and stuff and, and you know we we were nervous about it and things you know uh, and, and it went out and it did well so to actually have him then on the show just felt really you know yeah I remember the day that he actually like, replied to me on Instagram about it and he sent me a wee voice note and I was like oh my god he's actually like listened to this yes Um, he, he is he's a really nice guy and I think as well when people find out a lot of people say to us oh well like, good idea starting a podcast and now is the time to do it quarantine but we're like, we had this in the pipeline for mm-hmm. months and... Since last September, really. But we, it doesn't work, well it has worked because of the interviews and all, but it doesn't work for us having a boxing podcast during quarantine. Cause no, no, because we're meant to talk all things news and there's and nothing fights. new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and a lot of people as well. And then we also, I think people think we've been furloughed or, or don't have jobs and this is our full time job. No, we've actually been, we're very, very fortunate. We've been um, still working around full time, just at home, obviously. And yeah. then this is sort of like our wee release but it's probably why stuff doesn't always get put out on time because we're still working but i'm sure no one minds too much because i'm sure there's a a whole array of content you're all listening and and watching everyone's trying to keep themselves entertained somehow in lockdown but we're glad we can be of service in that way absolutely absolutely and we'll continue to be of service because today's uh podcast is all about uh boxing news revelation or revelation revelation yes yeah Yes, okay, Revelation. There we go. Uh, I'm giving us even Boxing News, yes, Revelation. Uh, they've, they've been doing this really good uh, uh, countdown of like the 50 best British fights of all time. And they mm-hmm. finally released their number one. And it was the very famous, very entertaining, 
Chris Eubank v Nigel Bain won, so that's their first fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a fight it was! Did you yeah. did you expect that to be number one? Yeah, like I had had some guesses. Um, see, the, the stipulations for it was that it had to be in the fight itself had to take place in Britain, and at least one of the contestants in the fight mm-hmm. had to be British. So mm-hmm. they didn't both have to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just so happened that they were like Joshua and Klitschko. That that, yeah. that was in the categories, you know, big big fights like that. Like I, I, Jimmy Murray and Matthew Macklin, yes, yeah, I thought was going to be, a, yeah. you know, it's it just because you always when you think of British fights, you think of that. But yeah, I, I suppose too, just because Chris Eubank and Nigel Ben they were on the world level and stuff. Uh, but no, what a fight it was, and not just uh, a fight, but the event and the lead up to it, and the absolute enigma that is Chris Eubank and the. Uh, you know, hot-headed, sporadic nature that is Nigel Bain. Um, when two completely different worlds sort of collide, you get this this explosion of greatness. Um, what 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 did you think? No, I'm not surprised. Uh, I definitely thought Eubank probably would have been up there anyway because of his his general character. I think that's the whole reason. Uh, part of the reason that it is. I know it ranked purely in the fact of the fight and how good the fight was, but the show business side of it as well. Um. Even just everything Barry Hearn said about it too, you know, even their promoters, you know, I was reading that uh, Ben's promoter is in Mendy, his name mm-hmm. is, he went in to purposely rile Eubank up before the fight and all, um, wrote like dopey C-U-N-T on his, his boxing gloves and all. No, and no one on our podcast can spell, so I think we got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to be the one to swear, the boxers can swear when, when we interview them, but I don't want to be the one to swear. Um, but yeah, he went in, apparently he said he went in and to purposely rile Eubank up and Eubank got up and started going buck mad and then like just I guess this is what your man Mandy's saying now you know mm-hmm. like just as as quick as he started going mad he just pure you know, he gets on like composed himself again and sat down and was like well very good very good because he knew that he was coming in to do that and he yeah. realized it was on my knees but uh, even that in itself is just like hilarious and, like, he, and he cut off the walking music Chris Eubank yeah. obviously synonymous with uh, simply the best he's simply the best who's that by what do you call Tina her Turner. Tina Turner yeah uh, my head was just saying alliteration you don't know enough about the pop Tina culture Tina Turner yeah uh, so halfway through his entrance you know right before it gets to the course where he screams simply the best uh, it just went cut off uh, Mendy had gone up into the studio or wherever it is that they play the music and, and, he, and he cut it off and he put like two sort of bouncers there to stop Barry Hearn from running in I buy her and tried to, and then yeah. he said he's going to kick off, and then Eubank was actually the one to be like, you know, don't worry about it. Like I'm going to destroy yeah. this man. Like they're they're doing this in badness, they're doing it in purpose. But uh, fair play to him too, because other people that would really aggravate other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, boxers just breaking routine, I think, because you know sports people in general are really superstitious. Superstitious. Yeah. You'll hear a lot about like footballers. You know they have to put like their right sock on before their left sock. You know every time they're going on match or, or things like that. Um, so for a boxer to be doing the ring walk to the same song that they always do and then it to be cut off halfway through the middle um, you know it, it could it could definitely throw you but Chris I would say definitely won battle of the mains in the build up uh, between him and Nigel Ben. you know uh, Chris like he, in, during one of the press conferences Chris just refused to look at Ben, and, and you could just see Ben like staring at him filling with anger and like he, he said you know if he turns like he's, he is, he's going to knock him out. He genuinely, genuinely hated him. He didn't even have to take this fight because Ben was WBO champion at the time and Chris wasn't even his mandatory, but Chris had been like talking smack and uh, saying about uh, how, you know, underrated Ben or overrated that Nigel Ben is and stuff um, into the papers and all the rest. Of it. So Ben just wanted to shut him up 
And if that's not a clear sign, you know, that that's how railed up he was and his, his head maybe wasn't in the best place. Um, but th- th- again, that's, that's what led to such a brilliant fight, you know, when you get two people in and the heat is genuinely real, you know. I think as well, just in saying that, I think if the shoe had been the other foot and Eubank and Barry Hearn had have done all of the stuff that Mandy and Ben did them in the way and like I think Ben would have, that would have really got the Ben psychological, well yeah. obviously psychologically Eubank got them anyway because he like, beat them, spoiler, um, but uh, I think that really would have, I think Ben's totally hot headed and, and they try to go for a game plan that would annoy, they try to do all the things I think that Ben would have annoyed Ben but it just didn't get the Eubank because it is two different, yeah. two different brains and one thing, um, like I know that I was reading stuff in Boxing News that Eubank explained the difference between himself and Ben by saying it's like two minds which are miles apart a street brain and a society brain and he's not wrong in that like they are quite different in terms of like not only boxing but yeah like the way they both the psychological warfare there's my BBC alert going on <laughs> <laughs> off there but um I thought that was mad too and I think even just saying stuff like that really railed Ben up because he said himself he was like Eubank comes in he looks down his nose at everyone and he's saying Oh, he's Ben's got the street brain and I've got the society brain, but it's like actually, like, Eubank was pure from the streets. Like he was like probably mm-hmm. more from the streets in, than Ben was. Ben came from quite like a loving family. Eubank obviously moved across to New York to fight and yeah, he, I mean he loved pickpocketing and stuff. Yeah, really. the fighting at the Bronx. Yeah, and he, he got moved over because his mum was over there and his dad couldn't control him with his brothers and stuff. Um, and that's when he found boxing and whatever. But uh, said it was hell out there as well. He said it was the place, the pl- New York's burnt out South Bronx, which was a place of nightmares. Um, but it, it is mad too because obviously then he came back and, and he told Barry Hearn that he didn't sort of reinvent himself with his accent and stuff. He said he just became proper. But I think it's funny when you're watching, like even after the Eubank Bay fight, the way he talks, mm-hmm. he does like he slips back like that sort of wee posh accent that he's got going like. Well, he's completely out of breath and, and in pain and just in that sort of euphoric yeah. primal mode. He, he sort of reverts back to the old, uh, just just the not posh sort of accent that you associate with Eubank now. Like. Yeah, so, I mean, what 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 a fight. Uh, but, uh, Eubank obviously wins and then they have a rematch, which was a draw in the end. Although it is, yeah, well, contentious to say the least. Eubank himself thinks that, uh, you know, or conceives that... Uh, uh, ben was definitely the winner in that situation mm. and then the ultimate crime was is that we didn't get the third fight mm-hmm. you know it, it was made for trilogies and things like that but uh, unfortunately I, I, you know I suppose actually compared to this day and age where the best just won't fight each other yeah, uh, you gotta just count yourself lucky that you even got two fights and uh, the first fight really was the pick of the bunch and uh, if you haven't seen it go onto YouTube you can watch it uh, it, it just is a total to war but do not watch it without watching all the build up and the Quite frankly, the slabber beforehand because it is hugely entertaining. Yeah. Do you think you know Ben properly hated Eubank, and I don't really doubt that. Um, Eubank has said since that he doesn't hate Ben or didn't hate Ben. Do you think that he did, or do you think that was just his way of climbing the the ladder to success, sort of thing? Uh, oh yeah, well, he probably did. I mean, I, I thought the hate was real on both ends. Uh, Nigel Ben just, or the, probably the cruelest thing that Eubank said about Nigel was. <laughs> I know this. Yeah, is that after this fight you're going to end up working as a bouncer on on a nightclub door? There's not, okay, no. there's not a wrong with that either. But just because he's so locked down his nose at you, like yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. That's it. You know, he was playing that whole uh, I'm better than you, you middle know, class you. card. Yeah, um, but you know what? Despite what people say, people maybe back then, oh, this is pure act or whatever. I don't think it is because 
Jesus, she's been like 30 years and mm-hmm. he's still got that whole thing going. Sometimes I do think like, like he wears the sheriff's badge everywhere. He actually is a proper sheriff. Oh, he's, he's a looper. <laughs> a complete rocket of a man. But uh, we love him. Uh, I'd love uh, to get him on this you podcast. Know, and, we, and we love Nigel Ben. You wouldn't get a word in, but sure. I was going to say. No one wants to hear us sitting in the Eubank. He also has, which I just laughed at so much. He he like contributed a piece to Boxing News and spit a page. And I did just laugh because, do you know what? It's not badly written, but it's just pure him. Like he says the same thing about five different times yeah. in all these different eloquent ways. And it is written quite well. I just laughed. I was like, that oh, was just so Eubank. Just yeah, like, I had a, to be meticulous. and. He's a walking... Thesaurus. Yeah. Yeah. But uh read the word of night in bed. We'll go moving on from that, we'll delve a little bit uh further back into history to talk about the the greatest greatest of all time, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali. Today is the anniversary of his death. Four years ago, yeah. Yeah, four third, years. Third ago. of June, if you're listening to this oh, tomorrow sorry, or yeah. a year time. Yeah, third of third of June twenty twenty, so it's been four years since Ali died. You know, he changed the face of the game. Um he's done what others I uh, could only dream of doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I, there, there's nothing really, you know, to talk about that hasn't been talked about before when it comes to Muhammad Ali and paying homage to him. Uh, he's just the king of kings, isn't he? Yeah, you can only assume people listen to this know all about him because we assume they're boxing fans, but uh-huh. if they aren't, I think some people, like one of the things we ask the boxers, the people we interview, is always Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali, you mm-hmm. know, who was the greatest and most people. God, I don't think anyone's actually said Mike Tyson yet, have they? I don't think so, no. Um, actually, I need to go back and, and check out. I think, yeah. uh, I think we want... I can't remember. And, and Mike Tyson's like my favourite boxer, but I'm still like, you know, I'm ma- but some... Just for what, what all that was done in the ring and I'd say the ring, you know... Uh, well, that's it, because some people say to me, you know, oh, well, how is he the greatest when he wasn't undefeated? But I was like, but that's the that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think people who don't really know boxing ask that, but I'm like, but that's the thing. It's because of his whole life and arguably the best, you know, the prime years of his boxing career were taken away from him because he refused to to join the army and then he basically just couldn't box yeah he didn't want to he refused to be conscripted into the vietnam war because uh, he didn't believe what was going on there was right mm-hmm. said he had no quarrels with Viet Cong, yeah. you know um so yeah he lost like three years of in, in his prime of, bo- of boxing you know so we, we sort of lost out now but he definitely made up for it i mean we we see he's been in some incredible fights and, and i think really another thing that just makes him so great was that when you think you know, if you were to sit there and list all the greatest heavyweights mm-hmm. in the world, you know, like, who, who pops to your head? Obviously, like, Tyson comes to your head. But, like, it's Joe Frazier, it's Joe For- or it's George Foreman, you know? These big names. And you're like, yeah, Ali's beat him, beat him twice, you know? Yeah. Ali's got beat by some of them as well. But, uh, you know, he, he really, really did mix it with the best. Uh, and when he lost, he always came back again, even stronger. He was up against the odds more than one occasion. He completely reinvented himself as a fighter as well, which is just so impressive. Because when he was younger, he was the speedster, you know, so light in his feet, quick hands, um, like nearly untouchable. Uh, and then, like, he lost him three years, obviously, to, in during his protest. And he came back and he sort of had to reinvent himself as a fighter, uh, you know, and, and, he, and he adapted things in that rope-a-dope, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like actual terms that are, you know, he coined them himself. Yeah. You know, in the box. And he, ch- he changed the face off. And, and uh, as boxing fans, we can only... Um, Say with him, we miss him. <laughs> you know, and it was one of those things you think, like, what would have been if he had a box during the time when obviously he wasn't allowed to. But I think when you think about this, the scale of like his fame and his legacy, um, 
obviously his daughter went on to be a fantastic female boxer as well in a time when mm-hmm. like I know female boxing's on the up now but she was like this is like early 2000s you know when it really wasn't a thing she went on to be a champion too but um, when you say like I'm sure people listen to this probably watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan and people often say that Michael Jordan became so famous and so good at his sport that he actually incorporated it into like general everyday pop culture and people would say like oh you're the Michael Jordan of your craft like you're the Michael Jordan of baking or singing or whatever but people always say like you're the Muhammad Ali oh, you know what I mean yeah, like he's he became, on, that's the level we're talking you, you don't even need yeah. to be a boxing fan to know who Muhammad Ali is and, ju- and just an example of like how far spread his uh, celebrity status was or his influence probably is a better word of saying his yeah. positive influence at that was um, four years ago when he passed away I was working as an apprentice at the BBC in the newsroom as a journalist and I discovered this story you know, everyone was on Twitter and stuff and they were just like sharing stories about Ali and things. And Stephen McDonnell, the Armagh GAA player, tweeted a picture of this letter that he got signed by Muhammad Ali. Um, and it was basically wishing him and the Armagh team good luck in the All-Ireland Final in 2002. I mean, this is insane. This is 2002, you know, years and years after he retired. Mm-hmm. Um, decades, sorry. And uh, here he is writing a letter to a GAA team. Like, I mean, uh, an you, amateur sport. An amateur sport. sport. I mean, some people listening to this podcast probably still don't even know what, you know, what Gaelic football and GAA it's is. It's the national sport of a tiny country, really. Yeah. And put it into that sort of perspective. But it's a huge influence. And Hugh Campbell, who was like the, he was one of the coaches in the Armagh team at the time, was obsessed with Muhammad Ali. And he used the book by Norman Mailer, The Fight, which is uh, essentially the story of the training camp uh, behind uh, Muhammad Ali beating George Foreman and stuff. Um, and he, he used that, that, that book and all the motivation and how that nobody thought Ali could beat George Foreman mm-hmm. and you know he would like reiterate quotes from that and stuff and, and use that story as an example for the Armagh team who had, at that time had never won an All-Ireland um, and right before the final his last trick you know up the sleeve was that he got a letter that was written by Muhammad Ali and signed by Muhammad Ali himself and he slipped it under the door of all the Armagh players um, you know just to give them that last boost to be like this is amazing but the point of the matter is you know he wrote the Muhammad Ali's company himself um, which is run by his, his wife uh, you know, not really thinking he was going to get uh, you never a think. response like I mean like, you know when you're that big what, what's he got to do you know with with a tiny county in, in the middle of Ireland but um, you know he did he did respond and, and he wanted to find out more about the sport and there's a really good picture of him holding a Armagh jersey saying by himself and you know it's just another example um, the story's still out there it's available uh, we, it's we'll, just sound we'll, yeah it's just sound yeah we'll share it on all of our social, social media, social media pages and my social media page um, but the, you know this is just the depths and you know he's he's, he's he's went further than the sport of boxing and reaching other sports you know as, as a source yeah. of motivation and influence he's just the best there was, the best there ever will be. Literally, yeah, like out of this world. No, I was going to say worldwide, but even just like out of this world in general. And I think that goes to show as well whether you think someone isn't going to, you're here or whatever, or however big or famous they are, you think that they're not going to see something. Just keep trying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And not, and not to bring it down, but uh, in the news, you know, and in this time, uh, you know, you can't really not bring up the whole tragedy of George Floyd. And, or, yeah, everything that's going on in the US at the minute with the the whole Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. um, I think well it's always relevant and everything that Ali is is always going to be relevant whether uh-huh. like throughout his whole career with his um, like he was obviously a really big activist yeah 
and that'll always be relevant but I think it is more so now that, than ever because of everything that's going on in the US with the protests and, and rightfully so um, yeah, he was always an activist for equal rights and, and things and like it's that, just the it? fact that that is his anniversary now I think that that should really be highlighted mm-hmm. um, because a lot of well there in fairness there are quite a lot of celebrities now that are, that are coming out and using their voice but kind of is something you don't, you don't really see anymore like I think a lot of sports stars and a lot of celebrities don't really want to get involved I think because social media is such a prevalent thing now too it's like they don't want to they don't want to, I don't want to say take sides, but they don't want to be seen to be getting too political because they don't want to like dim it their ruins their brand. Yeah, but he, I think if social media was around when Ali was around, he wouldn't have cared. Like he just, and he didn't care and that's why. Yeah, he, you know, he was a man of principles and he stuck to them. Uh, he believed yeah. in what he believed in and he was going to tell everybody that as well. Yeah. You know, he had no, Which no is what shame you need, in saying what that. you need more of in the world today too. Yeah, so be, be more, is, is in, in these dark times, you know, be more like Muhammad Ali always be like Muhammad Ali yeah, yeah that's good good rule of thumb <laughs> that, good is, rule of that is thumb. a good rule of thumb do you also think though like the fact that like even just Ali's personality like even all the way the poems and the quips he made up and he was so like it's just sassy I think that's the best way to you that's know, the best way to describe no, yeah. it but sassy. he wasn't afraid of anyone but you know there's no do you think there's personalities like, and even Eubank I know Eubank's obviously still about and he's you know very much involved with his son like Junior's career and he's still the same Eubank that he always was, but do you think that there's no personalities like that anymore? Well, in, no, no, he was, he was completely unique in that, um, and, and that's why he's the best, you know? I mean, that, and that's it, you know, he's, he's just such, he is the ultimate individual. Do you think, do you wish that you lived back during the 90s, just sort of going back to like the Eubank band thing as well, like, do you think fighting and, and boxing was was better back in the day well definitely what was better was you know, it was on terrestrial tv you know so your oh. actual you're, you you had your casual sports fan mm-hmm. um and everyone knew who Nigel Ben was and they knew who Chris Eubank was they maybe didn't necessarily know a lot about boxing and they wouldn't understand you know the plethora of belts and things like I that I didn't even know they were like middleweight but they just knew yeah. that they hated each other yeah yeah exactly exactly um but they, you know, they got totally sucked into the rivalry, and they were really interested in the event itself. But nowadays, you know, you got to pay for a subscription for your uh, whatever TV package you, you play and your you sports on, do... and then you got to pay again for your yeah. pay per view. And there's so many more belts, and there's so many more weight divisions. It just keeps getting diluted and diluted, um, until you know it's just not reaching the masses anymore. It's too hard for people who aren't in, who weren't in it to begin with, to keep up with. I think the yeah, other, and then like the other sports. Then in saying that, there's more content now. Uh, sorry, you know, with with social media and things, and you can watch clips of people training and things like that. You know, if you're a real boxing fan, you, you enjoy that and uh, things like AFL and some amazing podcasts out there, such as yourselves. You know, uh, trying to deliver some boxing content, boxing related content, yeah. you could really get your teeth stuck into. I mean, if you didn't read uh, the papers, probably were your only other yeah, source uh, back in the day. So it's it's all grass is always greener and stuff. But yeah, um, we'll bring it right forward now in terms of history but and we'll just rewind it back to one year mm-hmm. um on monday past it would be one year since andy Ruiz shocked the world and beat anthony joshua mm-hmm. um in america what a time flies first of all i mean the I rise guess, of Ruiz in, yeah. in that year is insane you didn't nobody knew who he was really you Physically, the rise as well, because then he gained a load of weight after that fight again. Well, he, he already had the weight on, let's face it. You know, oh, he aye, but then he even any... says himself, he went pure on the absolute celebratory rip. I know, I mean, so, speak, speaking at that time, at that time, he did take the fight on, what was it, like six weeks' notice, something like that. I'm not going to fur play the reason I'll always um, say this, like, 
uh, still think there's something wrong with Josh with that night. Like even looking back, looking at the footage, like there is something. Is like, he's like dead behind the eyes, yeah. like autopilot. Um, and I'm totally not making excuses in any way. Shape. Like this is the thing with boxing. Everyone says, "Well, it's not over. It's not like it's not over. It's over. All good." But um, I'm not saying Josh was winning the fight anyway. But you could outbox someone for ten rounds and. The next thing's gonna be like he's gonna win this fight, but all it takes is one punch. Mm-hmm. And Ruiz got Joshua really with that one punch. It was the hook, do you remember that basically I think it perforated his eardrum and he was like I think afterwards they realized he was concussed. Yeah, well I mean and, and it sort of showed like what's the word? Like like uh, a a crack in uh, Joshua's armory, you know. Like it, a weakness that people yeah. thought wasn't there, but everyone has a weakness, you know what I mean? No one's you know, the the scariest word in boxing or the, probably the most offensive word, yeah, and I'm gonna use it. But it is shinny, you know. Is Joshua a bit shinny? Um, because that would leave it that you know any sort of monetary fighter, any decent no. heavyweight, if they get a decent punching, you know. Do you think uh, that? Do you? Think I don't that? know. I don't know. I mean, he's he's obviously successful. You know, he went down a few couple of times now. But uh, no, I mean, he, he proved it all in the rematch. But, talk, but talking about that 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 spectacle itself, uh, Andy Reeves v Joshua and the shot. I mean, just the. Audible gasps around the stadium, you know, when it happened, and mm-hmm. nobody could believe it. And I think it was especially like we talked about what was great about the Eubank and Nigel Ben was the build up. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no, and then it was, but there was no build up. That, you know, everyone was annoyed. They were disappointed. You know, originally he was supposed to fight Baby Miller, oh, no. who, who was caught on the juice. I bet you he was real. I bet you Baby Miller, looking back at that now, he probably thinks, and who is to know who's to say it, probably thinks. Like looking at the way Joshua was getting on stuff, like I could have beat him. Yeah, that was the best time to fight him. Like it would and seem. Wilder and Fury, I think think that too. I think they're especially Wilder now that he got mm. hammered by Fury. He thinks I wish I had have just taken that Joshua fight because now he's way down the. But that's it too. People Back think in order. No, a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, the 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 build up was so, like Andy Ruiz when he was announced as an opponent. It was so anticlimactic. It was like, great, let's get this guy out of the way. Three rounds probably, and 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 this sort of played up. You know, the the, the script was going according to plan. Right up until uh, Joshua floored him, in, I think, the third. And I was like, right, here we go. You know, he's going to get him out of here now. Yeah, Grab the mic, start talking Wilder, start talking mm-hmm. Fury. Um, unifications and stuff. And then Andrew just got up and, and tore the script up and tore Joshua up. Are you annoyed? Do you think that that... Not annoyed, but like, do you think that disrupted, like you said, the script for... No, because uh, Wilder had already announced that he was going to fight, at that stage, he was going to fight Ortiz, followed up by a rematch with Tyson Fury. And, like, there was a demand for the Fury-Wilder rematch anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what's happening now, you know, and what's next in quarantine and all. It's, well, we'll not even get into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of upsets, where do you think it ranks? Can you think of another upset, like, that's on that level? Well, obviously, Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. Yeah. Like, you couldn't... I, I, other than that, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, there's been lots of upsets. I mean, boxing's corrupt. Um, uh, but real upsets, you know, where the guy was beat categorically. Like Tyson got knocked. Uh, you know, you could stop. Joshua got stopped. You know, it wasn't in the judges' hands. There was no backhanders going about it. Um, it was all in the ring. Well, do you think, like you talking about, because everyone thought Eubank was a pure underdog, and the fact that he stopped Ben, do you think that's? Oh, well, no, I don't. I, I mean, a lot of people thought that Eubank would win that fight. You know, it was like a sixty forty. It wasn't. It wasn't. <sighs> You know, I mean, like, Andy Ruiz had no chance. Mm. Buster Douglas had no chance. Mm-hmm. Probably at the time, Buster Douglas might have edged it just because of the sheer size of uh, Mike Tyson's profile at the time. Aye. Like, Anthony Josh was a huge, huge name. You know, he's one of the biggest names of boxing. Right, but, but he's he bigger in the UK. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, in the UK. But, you know, Tyson had well and truly conquered America and the world. Um, You know, at the time, he, like, 
you know, kids everywhere was like would make taste and beat people Superman joined, in a fight. Yeah, <laughs> people people joined. I remember hearing a thing that like people joined boxing clubs the day after that fight though when Butcher Douglas beat him because it was like, oh my god, if he can beat Mike Tyson, I I like you know I can go and do boxing. Yeah. God knows what I can do. Um, but just like. Uh, the Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas situation Buster Douglas really went on and did nothing else you know he lost his title in his first defence he blew up in weight uh, you know the stars sort of aligned for him that night and he put everything into it but he didn't have the mental what I would call mental strength to do what champions do um, and stay at the top you know it's one thing getting there but staying there is the next hardest thing and Josh with then beat Ruiz um, it wasn't that Ruiz was like embarrassing or anything in the rematch but he admitted himself. You know, there was like footage of him eating kebabs or pizzas and stuff. Yeah, if you don't take it. But if you, how do you not take being unified champion of the world seriously? Do you know what I mean? Um, he was so poor though and then obviously he made so much money on the back of that fight that I thought it was sort of like yeah. rags to riches almost maybe too quickly. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And who's to say? And kind of like with the Buster Douglas thing, you know, you all see these inspirational like motivation videos on YouTube and it was like Buster Douglas's why he was bigger than Mike Tyson's and mm-hmm. his mum had just died and he had the motivation. But then, on the back of that, you know, Mike Tyson says, well, for one, they said that the referee gave Buster Douglas too long of a count. Um, and it should have been, like, he should have been knocked out. Yeah. So there's that. And I know Tyson's, I think Tyson's still a bit about that years on. There's also the whole, like, reading Tyson's book and hearing about Tyson. He was a wee bit off the rails himself. I mean, he was having, like, orgies with Japanese girls the night before and stuff. But then it's like, was he not always doing that? Yeah. So there's always that argument. You don't want to make excuses for the champion that lost because you don't want to take away from that no, person No, not, not at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, is Ryu's going to be like Buster Douglas in the sense that... I think so. Is he a firework? Aye. I you know, I mean, exploded all at once and was brilliant uh, to what? see. What a spectacle, but that's it. Yeah. You know, the light goes out as soon as... Just as quickly as he appeared. Jen Ruiz will fight Fury. Or not Fury, sorry, Wilder. Oh, God knows. I mean, well, Wilder well, apparently's got this rematch with Fury. So, you know, we're going oh, to have to see. Oh, I'm confused. There's that and then there's... Keep through all that. But I'm not even going to talk about any of them just because lockdown and stuff. And what about, you know, you're talking about upsets. Um, Just because you're talking about him. Again, don't know because this is way before my year. But Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston, that's where you would put him on the map. Yeah, you know, I mean, what, what, a, what a huge upset at that time it was. Yeah, I mean, all of the journalists and the media of the day uh, didn't give Ali a chance. He was just this young, brash kid who was going to get his mouth shut up once and for all. And then, you know, I begged a different, you know, if you ask casual fans in the street now who Sonny Liston is, you know, a lot of them wouldn't even know. Or only know because of that. Or yeah, and, and they only know because his name is Ty too, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, you know, so you don't know how things will change. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll bring it right up to the modern era then and there is some good news because it looks like boxing will return a lot sooner than we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is talk of these uh, behind closed door fights. <laughs> Literally, first of all, in Eddie Hearn's backyard. Have you seen his backyard? Do you know I actually haven't? No, I've read a lot about this and I've seen a lot about this, but I haven't actually seen his garden. Oh my God. I mean, well, like the mansion that he grew up in basically is now, it's now the headquarters of Matchroom and he's got this massive backyard and, they're, and they're, he's going to renovate it, like marquee sort of situation mm-hmm. or, or an outdoor event, depending on weather and that. Uh, and, he, and he's going to host fights there, you know, and they're all going to be on Sky Sports and stuff and it's going to be huge, I think. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's just so... But it's like... um. I don't know if he was planning this before. Dana White did the whole MMA. Remember Dana White? There's, there's literally going to be like a fight island. Like Dana White yeah. has this island. And yeah. That just sounds like something Jurassic Parky like, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> or something that was be, will be in like a PlayStation game. But uh, well, no, Dana White had the behind closed doors fight in Florida, which was again contentious. A lot of people were against that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that was like 
couple of weeks ago that is quite early well everything's sort of easing off now a little bit anyway and by the time july slash august whenever you know these events yeah. may take place uh there'll be other stipulations and rules and, and we'll hopefully have this More, whole thing under yeah. control uh frank warren's also we're going to do uh the sort of like events See, you know uh for bt and mtk global er guy yeah carter frampton Mm-hmm. is making his return uh, in, in one of these July-August bouts. He has officially uh, started camp. He's over in Manchester at the minute. Of course, there's no flights, though. He had to get, like, one of them nine-hour boat drives, race or <laughs> whatever. Old fry. Yeah, literally. I mean, that must have been brutal. But, uh, so he's over there with Jimmy Murray now in his camp, and, and he's officially underway. Um, it'd be great to see him back in the ring, but I have no idea who the opponent is. It's not going to be Jamal Herring. He so has they're, to, they're both having warm up fights. I yeah, think. and Jamal has to. Yeah, I think he has to do his mandatory, but it's from what I hear, it's meant to be like a fairly routine sort of one. And then hopefully, yeah, uh, we'll get the Herring and Frampton fight in the, later in the year. Uh, both of them are still massively interested in it, and it would be a great fight. So really looking forward to that. Uh, before we really tie things up, I haven't actually told you this because I wanted to get your reaction live as it were uh a good friend of the show and he, he's a big fan i think uh, he'll never admit it though but whether or not you're a big fan mauricio solomon president of the wbc right uh, I love how he always comes up i know always uh, like this would just be his podcast really let's face it yeah but he is uh famous famous for making ridiculous belts and awards and whatever else he is a new one leave Right. Right. It's called the... Uh, I genuinely don't know what he's going to say here. I know. It's called the uh, Heroes of the World Award. No, can I just tell you before you go anymore, the first thing that came to my mind there is like, do you ever sing that Michael Jackson song? Is that music video? We are the world. <laughs> we are the people. You know when it's like, you know when Michael Jackson always did songs like, bringing everyone together like the Earth Song and Black and White? That's the first thing I think of. Just pure My God. cheesiness because of coronavirus just right anyway what's it about what's it about <laughs> well it's just it's just a word these heroes of the world award uh basically like a belt or whatever uh to commemorate people or well i only know two people that have it at the minute oh my god is canelo one of them no canelo's not one of them oh, no, okay. canelo, he's already franchise champion and money making champion down at this point i know too many in the mantelpiece yeah you'll never catch canelo with his trousers down he's that many belts <laughs> <laughs> the belts the weight of them would make them Freaking trousers fall down. Especially a franchise one. It's all like diamonds and whatever else Honestly. on it. But anyway, he is awarded it to Tyson Fury and Paris Fury. Oh, so she's now also oh. technically holder up one of these awards. Oh my God, have you not seen this? I think just because all the Instagram lives and the you know positive messages and, and no, no, no. And I, I can see why they've gotten it, but have I not even seen this information on Instagram? I don't know, but I mean, this? I just think it says a lot about Mauricio Solomon. I mean, do, do you think he? I suppose he grew up in an era where not everybody got an award for taking part, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe he's just got a real complex about it. He is a he's kind of a tubby guy. Maybe he was like last he picked in the football team, and he never he, there was no most improved award back then either. Uh, he was just hold on here though, right? You're sitting saying that like you know, are you getting an award for taking a part? Like it's Tyson Fury. It's not like like. But no, but I mean, why is Murray so so obsessed with handing out? belts and awards because it's really good PR and there's sanctioning fees for most of them I'm pretty sure this one doesn't have a sanctioning fee I mean who would pay it but uh, you know what I mean like off the top of my head Mauricio Solomon if anyone says you know who do you know that 
the presidents of all the sanctioned bodies or the belts or whatever that's the first one that comes to my head and uh-huh. he is the most sort of PR positive PR friendly like he loves talking to the press and, and he loves taking suggestions from the press but I don't think it's uh, I, I don't I'm not saying he's not a no he's not a good I don't know if he's a good person or not I don't know if I don't know but I think he knows what he's doing and I think during this time you know you're saying why is he giving out so many awards I mean there's no boxing on he has to keep the whole thing oh, fresh when there's somewhere. boxing on too he freaking diamond belts silver belts franchise belts I can't wait belts. to leg it a belt I know I can't wait either podcast can't wait either just a podcast belt but you know it. what right in fairness there's a YouTube belt there, <laughs> please don't even in fairness I don't really mind that because do you know what in Tyson Fury I've notoriously not been his biggest fan, but with the mental health problems he struggles with and with his boxing not being on and in his book and stuff way before coronavirus, he says, you know, without boxing, his head be melted, mm-hmm. proper depressive. And um, he has been really doing these Instagram lives and, and keeping the nation, like, you know, bright globally, people's um, spirits up. So not the, wor- not the worst Maurice Sullivan hmm. news I've heard. No, of course not. Of course not. Um... That, that, that's really it from us but I can't believe we just sort of did a podcast that primarily was about Chris Eubank and I haven't really heard a Chris Eubank impression yet oh oh plug, plug our podcast on Twitter and stuff using a Chris Eubank impression what do you mean like yeah so you, at the end we talk about uh, where you can get the podcast oh I thought you meant like you want me to do a Chris Eubank impression and then you're going to like put it across our social media no things. no 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 um, it is the warrior code to follow him and her boxing <laughs> on Twitter at Hidden Head Boxing and Instagram at Hidden Head Boxing. You can also follow, continue to follow the Warriors Code and be a gentleman. But I don't know, I, I'm going Asian. I'm going Jackie Chan. Um, <laughs> and listen to us on all streaming formats, which includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts. Uh, See, this, this is this is really like Chris Eubank because you know after a fight he loses the accent. I not yeah, I went clean up. I'm not yeah. doing it anymore. Just went back straight to Rome. Eubank is famously from Jerome. Um, He's been there a lot of times. What you're thinking of day? Yes. Um, well, not good enough. No, we story for not. another day. We shall not. But yes, thank you for listening. Please do leave. Oh my God, leave a review. That yes. re- that we've actually had re- like reviews come out of nowhere. Very. Very pleased about it. Um, I think I don't know. I know Spotify. You can't really leave a review, but Apple Podcast slash iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can leave all your review, um, like out of five stars. Obviously, give us five. Anything less, I will find your IP address and hunt you down. Uh, and leave a wee written review if you can as well. And thank you very much for listening. Um, and we will see you with our next exciting interviews next week. Absolutely. See you later. Bye.